Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special. Oh, yeah, it's a special episode, right? Sundance episode. Can we say that? Yeah. Our, our, our annual Sundance episode. Um, you know, not, well, unfortunately, we're not in Park City this year. It's virtual. Fortunately, we still have some great interviews. And, and so, and no, oh, by the way, I'm Dino Ray Ramos with the New Hollywood <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> and I'm Amanda Nduka. Um, So for, go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, so for, um, for this episode, we're going to have four separate uh, interviews with various films at this year's Sundance. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting to kind of have it a virtual studio, right? I mean, I miss, yeah. okay, I'll be honest. The thing I miss about the studio is the food. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the latte art reaction. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, Brian, <laughs> yes. barista Brian, shout out to barista um, Brian. And just like, again, the food, I mean, I know every year or yeah, yeah we've had like every year we've had a live, yeah, an interaction with uh, um, the people, the, the people <laughs> and every year we do have a live episode and, you know, we won't have it this year, obviously, which is why we're bringing you this, um, the, these uh, wonderful episodes. So um, also we have, we, we received good news last Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. So Deadline's new Hollywood podcast got a spe- special recognition award from the Glad Media Awards and yay! Yeah, we were all so excited about it. Like <laughs> definitely made our, made our, made our year, especially after last, you know. Yeah, after last year's trash. Yeah. I mean, it's like this year isn't starting off that well either, but you know, the bar is low. <laughs> But it's getting um, off to a good start. This was really, this was really exciting. Um, we're extremely, extremely grateful. I know. Let's get loud, J Lo. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, we're extremely grateful. But yeah, this was, this was really, it was really great. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, it's, so we have the Glad uh, Award under our belts. Um, <laughs> so excited for that. And then now we have Sundance stuff. This year's yeah. already busy. Yeah. Always, so we, always yeah. busy. <laughs> So this year, another another kind of good thing, good thing that this whole uh, I guess a positive of everything being virtual is that we actually got to watch more films because usually yeah. we're like hustling and bustling, or we and, just watch clips. Yeah, or, or we get to part watch of a movie. Films. So we got to watch, we got to see more films, and I got to watch a pretty cool film called Passing. Yeah. Um, it is the directorial debut film from Rebecca Hall. Um, it is based on. Um, a 1920s book by 
Nella Larson, and, and the film stars Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega. And it's about these two, these two black women that, um, that go through, uh, that, that, that go through life, that, that are able to pass through, uh, pass as white, uh, throughout life. And they both sort of choose different, different sides of, of the color on. And, and it's interesting to see, um, 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 their separate, their separate journeys. Uh, so I want to, um, introduce the the interview for the film Passing. I'd like to welcome the team from Passing. Uh, please say hello to writer, director, Rebecca Hall. Hi. And actors, Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega, and Andre Holland. Hey guys, thank you for, thank you for joining us today. Um, so Rebecca, let's start with you. Can you just talk about uh, when you were first introduced to, um, th this film is obviously based on a book by Nella Larson. Um, can you talk about when you were first introduced to this book and what inspired you um, to make this uh, as your first feature? Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a sort of long story, but I'll try and keep it condensed. It's, it, I, essentially, it was at a time in my life when I was spending more time in America. Um, I was thinking more about the American side of my family. My mother's from Detroit, Michigan, originally. And it, 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 she is of, you know, she's biracial, but it wasn't really spoken about. And I understood the context of that was that my grandfather, who I never knew, was white passing. And probably his parents were white passing. But, you know, when I say that we didn't use words like passing or biracial, it was because there was so much sort of um, confusion around the issue. Like what is, how, how much and what and who, and maybe it was a little bit this, maybe it was a little bit that. It was very, it was told to me in, in not very clear language. And I think that is common among a lot of these stories and a, an aspect of the legacy of passing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I read this book because I was just, you know, at this point in my life, I was in talking to more people about it and I was asking more questions and I was being more inquisitive and I was trying to work out my position in relation to it all. And somebody gave me the book and it felt for me a, a moment of historical contextualizing of the choices that these people in my family made. And I, I had words for it and I had a sort of understand, emotional understanding for it, of it. And it affected me enormously. And I didn't entirely understand why. Um, and I suppose the only way that I can come to terms with anything in my life has been able, has been through making art about it in some capacity. And I wrote a screenplay then, 14 years ago, didn't think it was really for anyone but me. Um, and then over the years, it became increasingly obvious that I had to make the film and I understood how I wanted to make it. I knew how I wanted it to look. and. And then I was really buoyed by the fact that I have extraordinary actors that I desperately wanted to be in. It. I mean, I was thinking about the three people you're seeing here for a long time and, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they said yes. And that was, uh, gave me a lot of confidence, I think, to continue. Um, and for for the actors, uh, specifically Tessa and, and Ruth, so uh, obviously you're, you played these two black women who who can pass as white uh, throughout life, but kind of choose to go on different sides of, of, of the color line. Um, can you just each talk about 
Um, what struck you about uh, your character's journey when you were first introduced to this piece? Um, and, and Ruth, we'll start with you. Um, well, what struck me about Claire was um, the fact that she felt she had to make this choice to pass and sever herself from her past, her community, um, and in many ways, herself. And um, the courage that took, but also the psychological cost of that. Um, how do you live when you've buried such an important part of yourself? Um, um, what does it cost when you feel, when you're essentially adrift and isolated and um, you have this secret um, and, and that the burden of that and the, um, the, lo the sense of longing that she has um, and, and this, the danger that she puts herself really in of, of being found out to be what herself, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and what I loved was this relationship with Irene because she, um, Rini, Rini basically is this symbiosis, you know, she, Rini has what she wants, you know, which is what she sees as, as, as being fully herself, you know, and then, and then Irene sees in Claire um, a sort of unbridled living of life and 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 covets that and and how they navigate that with one another um I, it's a such a lovely uh evocation of friendship with all the positives and negatives and i was just so excited and thrilled by the challenge of playing that um with tessa you know i mean it was such a thrill to see two women of color being center stage mm -hmm. in a film mm -hmm. um and um uh, i've just it's such a privilege to be part of it mm -hmm. and then what about you tessa what, what were you sort of what struck you about your your character irene's journey throughout this film oh so many things i just hearing you speak just now ruth it really occurs to me um the extent to which they present uh, two very different ideas in terms of not just obviously different um, sides of the color line, but also what your responsibility is to community and to your race. You know, Irene has this idea, uh, this very righteous idea of self that has to do with responsibility and being dutiful. And yet she's also hemmed in by all those things, right? And um, is, is in some ways very repressed and oppressed by expectations, by society's expectations. Meanwhile, um, Claire bucks all of that and like a ship without rudders can explore, right? Um, and yet she comes back to, wants to come back via Harlem to some sense of community, but not out of obligation not out of responsibility, just because she misses proximity to blackness. Nella talked about it, the way in which Claire goes, I miss hearing laughs. Like I wanna, I just miss that proximity. Um, and so I think there's this idea, you know, that Ruth is 
talked about before this idea of like the tragic mulatto. And I think this book could also, and our film could get mired in those conversations. And to me, I think I was reading um, Bell Hooks talking about passing and, and lecturing to her students. And something that gets lost is the way in which um, Claire, what leads to her sort of demise in the end is not that she's passed for white, is that she's passed for white and come back to blackness um, because of its pull. And I think in that way, it's like um, Nella's very complicated celebration of our beauty. And I know, you know, when Andre and I play these scenes where we're arguing about talking about the race problem. I, I think about myself, I'm not a, a parent, but how I would show up as a parent. I think um, the less you know about history, the easier it is to imagine you'd be on the right side of it. And so it was interesting to have to ask those questions of myself. If I were a woman at that time, I mean, you know, how would I have lived? What kind of black person would I have been? It makes me think about what kind of black person I am now, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Relative, relative to the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and, and then that kind of goes me, leads me to my next question. Andre, your character, Brian, um, you know, interesting, unlike, you know, Claire or his wife in the film, Irene doesn't have the, the option of passing um, throughout this. So he, he confronts racism in a different way. Uh, we can see, we can see it through this, you know, the, the straightforwardness that he, that he shows when he talks to his kids about, about uh, racism. Um, did this, did doing this film sort of inform your, your own understanding of, of identity um, when it relates to race or how did this film sort of inform, inform your own understanding of that? Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, this was one of those times for me when I read it, I, I you know, really quickly aligned myself with Brian. I didn't, I didn't have to go far to, to understand his point of view. Um, I remember, you know, having similar such talks with my parents, you know, having grown up in Alabama. I mean, obviously the subject matter was slightly different, but you know, the, the tone wasn't so different. Uh, the stakes were also were, were just as high. Um, so has it, has it informed my personal perception around race as with, you know, through playing Brian? Not necessarily, but I certainly feel that I've learned a lot by watching Tessa and, and Ruth wrestle with the questions that their, uh, that their characters' journeys present. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, Rebecca, same question to you. Did this film um, and in making of this film, did it did it inform your own understanding of of identity in a, in a, in a brace? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it made me embrace the fact that it's that identity is hopelessly complex mm -hmm. and often situationally determined. Often there are so many factors at play, and I think that it certainly has helped me to embrace a certain amount of ambiguity and paradox within myself. Mm -hmm. like, you know, this, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. as a, there's a much longer answer to that, but I don't know. Uh, just uh, lastly, how do you hope this film can sort of resonate with with audience um, today? Because I mean, we we still talk about race. There's issues of colorism that you know um, uh, conversations that that still that are still happening till today. How do you hope this film resonates with audience? I for one, I look. I hope that I think part of it's Nella Larson's beauty with the novel is that it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, mm -hmm. and. 
I think that's important. But I also, you know, I think often films that situate themselves around narratives to do with race and America, they're often, you know, there are often acts of violence by a white oppressor on a community that act as sort of dramatic set pieces. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very rare to see stories that are about the more insidious aspects of living within a racist framework about and how it affects interpersonal relationships and how it affects your understanding of yourself and your identity. Because I do think that identity is a sort of negotiation between how you want to be seen, how the story you tell about yourself and the one that a society sort of throws at you and how much you want to buck that or how much you want to accept that. And, and I think that tussle and that, you know, and the fact that that is, this is, this is a story that is that and not a larger story of oppression, but a quieter one, I think is really um, different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the part of the reason that I found it so compelling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, thank you guys so much for for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Congrats so much on the film, and good thank luck, you. everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So up next, I got the chance to interview the filmmaker for our, a film called "I Was a Simple Man." We have the director Christopher Makoto Yogi, actors Kanoa Gu, Tim Chu, Nelson Lee, and Chanel Akiko Harai. This film is essentially, it's, it's, it's a ghost story, but it's a familial ghost story. It's basically about this man who finds out he's dying. And then in this surreal way, we go on a journey and he revisits his memories of his past to kind of reconcile old skeletons in the closet, ghosts, and he just kind of basically is reflecting on his life. And it's a gorgeous film shot in Hawaii very, very representative of the, the culture and the lore, uh, which we talk about in the interview. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us here at Deadline's virtual Sundance studio. We're virtual. It would have been fun if we were in Park City, but this is fun too, right? Um, yeah. But thank y'all so much and congratulations on your film, I Was a Simple Man. It, it's, it was haunting hit some emotions there um, and it was pretty amazing. Um, uh, Chris, I want to start with you. Um, you know, the film, you know, is kind of dubbed as this ghost story, this paranormal story, but also it's a family drama and it can be seen as universal, but, you know, how important was it for you to incorporate kind of the lore and the culture of Hawaii and the Pacific, and Pacific Islander culture in a way that's surreal and grounded and you know you navigate that space so well to make it you know universal but very specific to this culture so how did you just even you know begin to kind of unpack that yeah i mean that was always the goal thank you for saying that like it was always the goal to make it feel you know honest to my experience of growing up born and raised in hawaii and just um you know when when I think back on my childhood, I, I, I feel like I was always surrounded by ghost stories. Like ghost story, you, you always, you're, you're tr constantly trading ghost stories, you're hearing ghost stories. It's, it's part of the, it's very much a vibrant part of the culture. Um, they're, they're told in the same ways that one would trade memories, you know, or tell, tell old family stories. Like you'll, you'll always hear of a family member who had some kind of encounter. And, 
And then as I got older, I mean, we would spend our time like just like going to haunted places. Like that's how we would spend like our weekends is like going to haunted places and hanging out. So I feel like I've always been interested and kind of obsessed with the idea of the supernatural in the islands. Um, it has such a diverse and interesting um, ghost story culture. And so I don't know, I, I guess that that just that just interest just was always on my mind. And I combined that with this idea of um, of an old man facing um, facing himself when he looks at, mm. to himself when he looks to his past. This idea of using memory as as ghost stories and using um, the the dream life of a man um, in, in the way that we we tell ghost stories. I, I, it just made sense to me, and I felt true to my own experience of being in the room with someone who was passing away, being surrounded by their memories, being surrounded by their ghosts. Um, yeah, that that was that was always the the goal. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we seldom see these stories, you know, the uh, of, you know, you know, there's always the conversation of Asian Pacific Islander representation, but, you know, we always kind of focus on the Asian part, you know, we, we seldom see Pacific Islander narratives, unless it's something like, I don't know, <laughs> The Descendants, um, you know, it's a great movie, but, you know, there is nothing I didn't feel it there, you know, no shade, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know, we, 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 you know, I have a, you know, being Filipino, I have a bunch of, you know, family in Hawaii and uh, uh, it's, it is a different culture than mainland culture, but it's still American, you know, so there's that, there, it's so interesting, it was so like refreshing to see this kind of narrative pulled. Uh, for the actors, you know, uh, like I said, the story is very universal and there is a sense of fantasy, surrealism to all of it. But again, there's this really groundedness. We see this man going through it. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, you feel a connection. I felt a connection, you know, in terms of, you know, losing a grandparent or, you know, losing someone in your life and seeing them go through that. But, you know, for, for everyone, for the actors, how did you connect with the story that Chris wrote and that he sculpted, um, did you put any of your own experiences in it? Um, we'll start with Chanel, go to Nelson, then Tim, and then Kanoa. Okay, well, not too long ago, my father passed. And mm. while he was getting closer to that time, of course, we didn't know when he was gonna pass, um, things shift and it makes you realize that this is a, a person that you're connected to because it's your father. And um, it just makes you feel this connection. It, um, I don't, I'm sorry, I'm lost for words. It's, <laughs> it punctuates mm. your connection. And in the film, um, I definitely felt that with Katie, Katie's character, nobody has a perfect life. Nobody has a perfect upbringing. But yet that familial tie that you have, no matter whether it was good or bad, always you're always connected. Mm. And um, you just have to find a way to reconcile and be okay with it. And I really felt that Katie's journey definitely did that in her own way, obviously. Mm. Um, but then she realized that at the end of it, parents do the best that they can. Nothing is perfect and you have to just let it go mm. and give into it. Yeah. Uh, Nelson, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I remember when uh, Chris and I first spoke about the project and we kind of, uh, my family's, uh, I have 
dealing with some sickness in my family right now. And it's one of these things you start taking stock of and you don't when you're younger, it kind mm. of whips by you and don't even give it a thought. And all of a sudden when you're starting to kind of um, confronted with that, um, you really do take stock and you think about your past and the idea about my parents also taking stock of their past and what's going on and you know how they were parents and how they were fathers and how they were husbands and mothers. Um, it's a really difficult thing sometimes. And I think this movie does such a beautiful job of exploring that. And with Mark, it's such a privilege to kind of play his character. That's kind of this um, echo chamber for all the voices of the past and present and everything else. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's powerful. And, and I think it's so deftly done and handled by Chris. And so, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Mm. Uh, Tim, how about you? Um, so uh, I think it's interesting because like par, uh, recently I've been kind of going through this question, period of questioning, what was my father like when he was my age? What, what were some of the struggles that he was going through? And I'm becoming more and more open to seeing him as a fully fledged person, you know, flaws and all. And, and I was able to explore a lot of that through this film because I play the younger Masao at mm. roughly my own same age. And, you know, he's kind of a lost soul. And um, I think all the actors and all the characters have feet in two worlds, you know, the, the, the real world of, uh, of what we're living, you know, the family drama. And then there's like still a connection to like the supernatural, the magical, the surreal. And we're kind of both kind of absorbing both experiences simultaneously. And I know that for me personally, it was kind of a way of seeing both how weird those things can be each and then just normalizing them somehow, you know? Um, like, yeah, supernatural things tend to happen all the time. And sometimes we don't even have the ability to process them just like family drama, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think, I think it was actually pretty easy to kind of jump into that because you as a person have, it only you can only examine these things fully in hindsight and as mm. you're experiencing them you, you're you're constantly lost i feel like so um it was it was beautiful to be able to to kind of just jump jump into that with this film mm. you know and just kind of examine what it is to be human yeah uh and kanoa i mean i think you know your character is kind of thrown into this thing and I kind of felt that because I feel even when I have uh, you know kind of it brings this fear of like oh oh you have to deal with this you know right and there's this awkwardness that you know yeah. you don't know how to do it because also your character is super young but I still feel that and there's a certain thing that you experience that I fear you know mm. like taking care of your parent or grandparent and having to do that. And you're like, oh, am I doing it right? Am I doing it enough? But how did you even kind of just navigate all that? I think it's funny because in hindsight, I don't think I had a clue how close this would land for me um, mm -hmm. personally, this whole experience. Um, and, you know, I have a, a bit of an older dad myself. And I remember one of the first things I think I told you, Chris, but uh, one of the first days working with um, Steve, who plays my grandfather, I was like, his hands look like my dad's hands. Mm -hmm. And so it was like really just, you know, 
in terms of connecting, I could look at his hands and immediately it felt personal. Um, but so, you know, I think you're right. I, I think it was stepping into, in terms of Gavin and, and also myself, you know, he's from the city side and he, and he's suddenly like transported uh, to the North shore and he's doesn't know where he is. And he also is just struggling to connect with this person, but yet he feels a sense of guilt because it's his mm. grandfather and a big thing that you know I know it was important to Chris because it was true to his own experience was he's facing he's looking death you know in the face and but but it's odd because it's through this person that he doesn't quite fully empathize mm. with you know yeah and so he it's like you know he I'm aware of how sort of not great he was to my mom and to the family and mm. and sort of just not present he he was in my life and so it's just this reckoning that he's facing of just like okay I I should want to take care of this person but I don't want to and like you're saying it feels so awkward and I, I don't know how but I think what's beautiful about his journey is that finally i feel like he 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 comes to a point of surrender and i think mm. of of and forgiveness and just accepting um the connection that is there yeah well y'all thank you so much for you know being here today and thank you chris for such a gorgeous film uh chanel nelson tim chris and kanoa thank you so much and congratulations on the film thank, thank you thank you so much Okay, guys, so I like to introduce a film. It's called The Blazing World. It's directed by this young actress named Carlson Young. It's her uh, feature directorial debut. Uh, she also stars in it and she co-wrote it. Um, but, you know, I, I, was, I got to sit down with her and some of the cast from, from, from the film during Sundance, uh, the Sundance, our Sundance studio. And I was just at all, this, this girl, what she's done to put together. So, so the, let me just tell you, the film is about it's about a girl who who witnesses her sister drowning um, at a young age and sort of grows up and you see her grappling with 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 her her trauma um, and she's sort of like she sort of like like has like places different imagery these abstract imageries it's very like gothic slasher thriller draw it, it, it was but it was so it was so um, unique how she put everything together and I definitely think I, like we'll be seeing more from her in the future. I mean, it, she said something really interesting to me because she, so she was at Sundance with this film, uh, but she had made a short, uh, a short film first. And she was like, you know, she wanted, she felt like the only way she could get her footing in the directing world is, is, is she started out making shorts. And then she got an opportunity to make this feature length, which like I said, it is an amazing feat for a first time feature, uh, feature director. And it, she just so happens to be a woman, which, you know, obviously is, is more amazing and we, we love and champion on this podcast. Um, so uh, without further ado, here is The Blazing World. Um, okay, so hi everybody. My name is Amanda Nduka. Welcome to Deadline's virtual Sundance studio. Um, so we are here with The Blazing World. I'd like to welcome co-writer, director, and actress, Carlson Young. Yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, and actors, and actors, Udo Kier, Dermot Mulroney. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting a little tongue-tied. Mulroney. <laughs> Mulroney and Vanessa Shaw. 
Yay. Hey guys, thank you for joining us today. Um, so Carlson, you were you were at Sundance two year, uh, or in 2018 with uh, the Blazing World, the, the short. Yes. Um, so was was it always in the plan to, to make it into a feature lane? Yes, it was. Um, some good advice that I got was to make it into a short first or mm -hmm. else probably no one would let me direct it, um, which which is probably true. So yes, I, I made it into a short first and um, was very fortunate to be embraced by um, the Sundance community and, and, and be, you know, showing its full iteration here again. Yeah. So what, so can you just talk about, I mean, this film, it's, it's you know, uh, your character, Margaret, is at the center of it. Um, she witnessed this very tragic, um, you know, uh, event of, of her sister, her sister drowning. And then when she was younger, and then we kind of see how she's grappling with it um, in, in a, when, when she gets older. Um, and there's just so much different elements to this film. There's, there's slasher, there's goth, there's fantasy, there's so many layers to it. So I have to ask you, what was the inspiration behind this behind this film? Well, um, at its inception, I was very inspired by um, Margaret Cavendish, um, who in 1666 wrote the first, what is considered the first sci-fi fantasy um, prose novel ever written, let alone by a woman. So I was actually studying her in school and um, at the same time having recurring dreams about this uh, gaping black hole. And um, I started to dissect the dream and, uh, you know, flesh out the the story and and the message that I was, you know, kind of I, I was trying to seek the meaning of the dream and, um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a long journey. I, I'm a horror kind of genre gal, a freak at heart. So I wanted to combine all of those elements and create something um, unique. Mm. And what was your experience like directing this this? film and you're you're starring in it you co-wrote it how do you how how were you how did you balance that what was that experience like for you um it was a wonderful experience I um I I really enjoyed shaping everything from the ground up creatively and um directing myself is nice because I know um, what, I'm, what I'm looking for in a performance and I know what beats I want to hit and um, getting into these great actors' heads was really <laughs> one of the most incredible experiences of my life, and I hope to have many more with these guys. It was it was a dream come true working with these, yeah. working with German and Vanessa and Udo. I mean, um, it, it was it was a dream come true on on all fronts. Yeah. And for the, and for the actors, can you guys just? I'm curious, what were your initial thoughts when you read this, and what drew you to this project? Why was it so important for you to be a part of it? Um, Udo, we can start with you since you're <laughs> on my right. Uh, well, uh, I read the script and I liked the script, and then uh, Carlson came and visit me here, where are we now? And because for me, it's important that I like the people I work with, especially the directors. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't do a movie. And we had a great conversation about modern art and about uh, Dali and things like that. And I liked her and Brenton, mm -hmm. the, the producer. So I, yeah, it was much earlier than actually the shooting was going on, mm -hmm. and uh, I liked the character very much. There was did anything a... in particular stick out about your about this role? What's that? Did anything in particular stick out about this role that really drew you to it, or um, did you connect to your character in some way that really? 
Uh, no. Okay. That was, <laughs> a, that was the good thing, and that I did not find anything that had to do with me. Mm -hmm. It had to do with an invention of her fantasy. And it is always great to play fantasy roles. I mean, that's why when I was much, much younger, I did uh, for Andy Warhol, Dracula and Frankenstein. They were invented uh, uh, vampires is an inventing thing. So you have a lot of freedom to create. Mm -hmm. And it was for uh, Carlson film when, uh, which I must say, first of all, not talking about myself, talking about her, she did an amazing work and her acting is, I just saw the film the first mm -hmm. time. Oh, wow. Uh, unfortunately on a small uh, computer. But her way of acting without acting, that's what I like. Mm -hmm. It is not like she's famous, uh, you know, big, big numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like the script. I like to go when I went there and I like to work. And it was a, a very beautiful community of people working. We were all locked in. And it was, there was no star system. Mm. which is uh, wonderful. Mm, yeah, okay. and uh, go ahead. Vanessa, do you mind? Oh, oh, yeah. you can go ahead. Okay. Well, actually I met Carlson and the producer Brinton on a movie that we worked on in November of 2019. Um, and it was called 12 Mighty Orphans, a very different movie, all American movie than this one. Um, and Carlson and I were very different roles and uh, but we all bonded on that movie. And um, I think what drew me to this was Carlson's personal letter to me and I could kind of tear up about it. Mm -hmm. It was so gracious and so um, creative. Her, the way that she, she shows her passion is, is kind of second to none. I mean, she's just so um, enthusiastic about creating this world um, and knew it backwards and forwards. And I could feel that just in her letter. And then she sent me a video message saying she would love me to be in this, this movie. And so I was just completely floored by her sincerity. Mm -hmm. And um, and then pretty much I had to read it very fast because they were going into production really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and the producer called me and said, um, I'm so sorry to put this pressure on you in the middle of a pandemic, would you even be willing to basically risk your life to do this movie. And I said, with the combination of what you're saying and what Carlson <laughs> said to me, I am sold. Um, I'm willing to try and do this safely with all of you. So, um, and basically when I read the script, I, I could, I had to read it fast, but I just saw the sparks in there of, you know, the, the world that she was going to create and was able to talk to her about it. And, First of all, with my character, I really felt her pain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and felt I could convey it well um, within the scope of this fantasy world that um, opens up uh, before our eyes. So um, that's why I was drawn to it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, hey. I, I was really touched by the script 
too, and I, I love hearing why, why uh, Udo and Vanessa um, came into it, but I didn't know anything about it or anything. So I just said yes and um, opened my heart to Carlson. I made it my assignment to do exactly what she wanted in the part. Um, and in, in, in her images were so clear the way the script was written. It, and when I saw the movie, it blew me away at how much it looked exactly like it was so uniquely described. It had that much, um, it, it was just, it just really lived up to its promise, yeah. the script to the visuals. But once I looked deeper into the character, what I really liked is it's not that often that I'm asked to really tap into, um, uh, you know, the depths of that kind of like rage or resentment and all of that in the roles that I've been asked to play many times that's not the assignment. So here it was, and uh, such a great opportunity for me to, as a male to be involved in a, um, mm. a really a female trauma release movie. I knew that Carlson and Brenton, the production, Vanessa, I knew and already loved from being yeah. Airful, um, the Save the Whales movie in Alaska um, from many years ago. Um, but so I knew I was in a safe environment. I wanted to do exactly what Carlson wanted because it was from a dream too, yeah. which is so important in movies, cinema and dreams for me, even if it's just, um, what movie it was? I think I was living in oblivion. You know, I've been in a lot of movies that have to do with somebody's need yeah. to work through something that it was yeah. bugging them in a dream. I, I, I've been in a number of those. So I love that assignment too. Mm -hmm. yeah, Carlson, the way you put everything together, it's so, so, so impressive. Um, so just uh, lastly, with, with, you know, with themes of, that, that are very relevant to, I think, especially now with themes of loss and, and grief and, and kind of coping with loss and all that stuff, what, what do you hope people take away from, from this film when they see it? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody, you know, takes different things away from a fil film. I don't, I don't want to put too much, um, too much on it, or, or have too many expectations. But what would be really nice, if, I, I think, is um, if the film, you know, was was thought provoking for people, or maybe made them think, um, you know, self reflect a bit about maybe their life or any um, familial trauma that's happened. Or for them, and and just kind of the idea of uh, we repeat what we don't repair. So yeah, oh my gosh, perfect way to end it. Thank you guys yeah. for joining thank us you. today. Yeah, thank you so much, and congrats on the thank film. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. So up next, we have the film Together Together. You know, oftentimes at Sundance, we don't see a lot of comedies. Um, it's, uh, so Together Together is a comedy. It's from uh, writer-director Nicole Beckwith and Ed Helms and Patty Harrison. They star in it. So the, the concept here is uh, Ed Helms is an older man and he is looking to have a kid. So I guess he meets Patty Harrison's character and she becomes the surrogate for his baby. And you think that this would become a romantic relationship, but what I liked about this film, it kind of shows their journey about this really unique relationship. And it shows this different kind of love that we don't see a lot with friends and kind of trusting each other. And when we talked, it was, we, we really talked about um, how this film, they filmed it, I think like last year and um, how, it kind of means something more now since we're like so on lockdown and 
lot of us are lonely and it kind of just makes you take stock of the people in your life and who who uh who what they mean to you and your friends and I just liked it. It was so delightful. And talking to Patty and Ed and Nicole uh, was so fun because Ed Helms is really funny. I think there's one point, I don't know if it's in the conversation. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know uh, where he, he, he was, he misses the Sundance studio. We were just talking about, um, he was like, oh, I miss the latte art guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but yeah, uh, Ed and Patty were great. Nicole was great. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation about Together Together. Hello and welcome to Deadline's virtual Sundance studio. I am here with the filmmaker and cast of Together Together. We have Nicole Beth Beckwith, excuse me, director and writer, and Ed Helms, actor, and Patty Harrison, an actor as well in the film. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yes. Um, so I wanted to start with Nicole. This is a very interesting uh, film uh, that takes like kind of a familiar premise that, you know, a lot of movies have, but it takes a turn, an interesting turn. Uh, but where did the story idea come from? Um, just a curiosity. Um, about what it would be like for two strangers to go through such an intimate um, experience together. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I just kind of started writing it because I wanted to see what happened. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I wanted to tell a, a different kind of love story because mm. there are so many different kinds of love. Um, and I think we tend to like as a culture focus on just romantic love um but that's just like you know one of the very many kinds of love i feel like we even fall in that kind of love less than the other kinds of love um and yeah just wanted to kind of tell that kind of love story yeah i, I would argue it's a, it's it's a it is a different kind of love but it's a more enjoyable kind of love. I don't know if that's controversial to say, but I, I think there's something precious about, well, precious sounds uh, patronizing, but uh, something a little bit special about this kind of love that the two characters have. For, for Ed and Patty, um, as, as Nicole was saying, it, it is a different kind of love story. It's a different type of relationship story that we're not used to seeing so much, but at the same time, stories like this uh, when, you know, we have a surrogate and, you know, uh, all of that, all of the, these like details, they can be predictable, but together, together very much does not follow that route, which is good. But when y'all first read this script, um, what kind of, what kind of connection did you have to it? Uh, Ed, we could start with you and then we'll go to Patty. Um, I just connected immediately to, um, the warmth and humanity of this script. And I, I think what a lot of scripts are warm, but this one also felt like a kind of different angle into love and a different angle into um, a kind of relationship that I certainly had never played or even quite experienced like this in, in my life, which is always an exciting challenge for an actor. So um yeah, I I, uh, I I sparked to the script immediately, had a great meeting with Nicole, and then I couldn't wait to do it. Uh, yeah, and what about you, Patty? Um, 
I, I remember like first reading it and when I like in the first kind of like learning what the log line was mm -hmm. or the con like a, a brief like conceit of it and then as I was reading it I was like you know I had these suspicions about like I was like oh it's gonna be like a rom-com like another you know movie <laughs> that's about like an older guy and he like a young super young super sexy like super <laughs> buxom yes, hot sexy. young like just like could play like 18 like half as, as 18 gets like miss clocked as 18 a lot um that you know that girl you know and then having this relationship together um so I was like apprehensive while I was reading it and then it totally you know it it handles that in in the in the script and it's really subverted a lot of my expectations in like such an exciting way and uh, with this like level of like this mixture of kindness and it's just it's just like a really lovely lovely script and mm. it's it's very like touching and uh, in a lot of ways that I wasn't expecting and it's just like really unlike anything I've ever um, gotten to do before so mm. it was super yeah, I mean, they're, they're... To, to experience the script at the first time yeah, there, there are so many moments, like small moments that speak volumes, like, uh, and even just like these details, especially about the ongoing friends bit, which I really enjoy because I have an interesting relationship with that show or like I have opinions about that show. Um, but, you know, I mean, I was on board from, you know, of course, the beginning and, you know, the story, but I think the, the, the place where it turned for me was when uh, the two of y'all were picking the the swatches on the wall. That whole scene, that whole sequence, I was just like, it kind of just was like, I was like, oh, this is so sweet. I want to share a moment like that with someone. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the story, you know, even the, the, the title of the story, you know, speaks to kind of where we're at right now, you know, together, together. And, you know, I, I don't know when y'all started filming this, but how do you think a story like this speaks to today's landscape? And were you expecting it to come up during a time like this when it kind of would amplify this moment where kind of that promotes togetherness? Um, uh, Nicole, we could start with you and then we'll, we'll, we'll go to Ed and then Patty. Um, well, we wrapped shooting in October, 2019. So mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so <no. laughs> a global pandemic was world. not even, yeah. <laughs> wasn't even a blink in our brains um and um through uh we got I got most of post done I was like mostly through editing when quarantine started and I was so grateful to have the film in my life it was like the film became my roommate my family my like everything because that's who I was spending time with Ed and Patty Matt and Anna all day, every day, and it is a, a kind film and an and an intimate film, and mm. I felt like I, I needed that kindness and the the worlds everybody's worlds got really small because we couldn't go outside and whoever you were with was who you were with and um and I felt like it was the the intimacy um and and I don't know if quietness is the right word but it is like mostly you're with Matt and Anna alone. 
Um, there was something really, really nice about that. Cause every once in a while I'd be watching something else like, and there'd be like a 10 person dinner scene or a party scene. And I would be getting anxiety. I'd be like, you can't do this. <laughs> like freaking out. But, um, and spending a lot of time with the together together, it, it did feel very nourishing. So it, it feels nice to put something like that out in the world when we are all kind of needing to be nourished in that way. And Ed, uh, what about you? Um, I, I think Nicole summed it up quite beautifully that there is certainly uh, a, a, a deeper longing in all of us for connection throughout this pandemic and, um, and even though it was accidental, there, there is something that I think it isn't explicit in the script, but it's, it's very much implied, which is that these two people, uh, these two characters are seeking a deeper connection, um, mm. not necessarily uh, intimate or, or romantic, but, uh, but just a very human connection. And, and it's, uh, and it, I don't know, the, the complexity of that connection that plays out in the story, I think is what's so special and beautiful about this. And as we're all experiencing isolation in different ways and uh, in different forms, um, I think we long for, we, we even miss the, com the complex parts. We miss the, the hard parts of, uh, of our, you know, an awkward family dinner or whatever, mm. just something that, um, uh, that it, it, it's, it's a little bit of the cost of connection that, um, that I think we're, I don't know, I speaking for myself, I appreciate more now, like mm -hmm. the, maybe the minor annoyances of a friendship um, seem so <laughs> small now compared to the, the sort of greater love of a friendship. And, um, and I think this movie weirdly and very presciently accidentally uh speaks to those things quite eloquently mm -hmm. yeah and patty what are your thoughts on how together together fits into what we're all going through <laughs> um well i think it's like crazy that Nicole in the movie predicted this crazy virus. Like there's so much. And that was really Nicole the the actually caused the virus in order to make this movie more relevant. Yeah. What a marketing tactic. That is such a good strategy. It was awesome. You gotta do what you gotta do. You know? Yeah. And, and Ed kept like improvising, ad-libbing lines and being like, you're the super spreader. And like no one knew what a super spreader was then. So it was just like crazy. That I don't I know came. why. I just thought it sounded cool at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was cool at the time, but now not. Um, no, not so it is much. not I'm so cool glad to you be cut, a super you cut spreader. that out of the movie. Thank God. Yeah, thank you, Nicole. Um, I no, I think it's just like when I think about the movie coming out in lockdown. The most exciting part of it to me is that it's like, like you, like you said, it's a very like. There's a lot of warmth in it, and I think that's like, you know, I don't want to too cliche or, or or any of that dumb shit but um, <laughs> it is yeah, just sentimental like bull crap that dumbass <laughs> shit uh no it's like it's a beautiful movie it's like 
visually mm. stunning. Nicole has like the softest, most delicate touch. It's like an emotional, mental massage. There's like, mm. you know, there is like Ed, Ed was saying, there's like, there's some drama, there's drama in it. There's, there's some rockier parts that are, that are hard to process and, you know, but, but it's like merciful. Nicole is mm. very merciful mm. in the way that she, I think she loves the characters that are in her movie. Um, no matter what their flaws are and I think it's like she creates this little nice it's like a really I don't want to watch super super crazy violent stressful shit right now mm -hmm. <laughs> and she wrote this movie that's like a hug and a little kiss on your neck but it's a platonic kiss yes it's like a, it's like a kiss on your neck and then it apologizes it's like oh that was kind of weird right and it's like, you're like yeah and it's like well and then it like revises gives you a little kiss on the cheek <laughs> cool i was just about to say that it, you know together together was kind of like a cinematic hug like i i did i mean and i'm like the most cynical cold-hearted bitch out there so i <laughs> i say i think it's kind of i think it's fair to say that nicole's movie is the spiritual yin to the yang of the movie jarhead Okay, <laughs> that's, it's that's kind of the exact opposite of jarhead <laughs> tonal. That's that's a that's a good review, and that's you know, and you know, that's a good way to end it on that thought. So, Nicole, <laughs> Ed, Patty, thank you so much, and congratulations on your film together. Together, thank you, thank you, thanks so much. Well, that was fun. Yeah, tuning <laughs> in in our special uh, Sundance edition episode. We will be back with more. Yeah. Uh, hopefully next year we'll be, or you know, hopefully later this year we will have another live episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, probably end end of this year. Um, or we could actually record in a studio. In a studio. Let's just right. aim for that. You know? <laughs> That's <the first> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll have more episodes. Um, we'll get back into our regular routine soon. Um, yeah. but, thank but it's crazy, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we th I thank everybody for supporting us. Um, yes, thank you all. Yeah. And um, congratulations to us for our GLAAD award. Yay! Another round clap. Thanks, guys. <laughs>